Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio. But it's not on the radio. With the 73rd pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select David Montgomery. Back strips it! My oh my! Khalil Mack, he is unbelievable! WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns. Eddie Jackson for the fifth time in his young career has a touchdown. With WGN's Adam Hogue. Are you ready? From the athletic, Adam Johns. What's up, everybody? Tearing it up. Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns, with an updated open for you from Ernie. People have heard it before. Yeah, but that was it was updated with David Montgomery. Oh, it was. That's right. I wasn't paying attention again. Great. Thank you, Ernie. That's Adam Johns, Ernie. Feel free to text him with your complaints. Uh, Adam Hogue here. The draft is over. I gotta say, I am uh, I am a lot less stressed out than I was like even a half hour ago. Why? He's six, Why were you so stressed out a half hour ago? The six thousand words I finally got done on the draft. Six thousand. Ten bears things are up. WGNRadio.com slash bears. Six thousand bears things. It'll take you all day to read it, but it's there. Uh, yeah, just a lot to get through. I mean, another, and we're going to talk about a lot, a lot of it right here on the podcast. We're uh, hoping to hear from Dane Brugler, who Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane have rammed down your throat as the athletics draft expert. He does a fantastic job, my friend. Oh, he, that's why we're having him on the podcast. Yes, yes. But I figured since you and Kevin spend so much time bragging about this guy that you, Do you guys know how have, nice that, that we should have him on the podcast. To have an in-house draft guy? Yes. So that's a big difference for me from yeah. going from the Chicago sometimes to the Athletic, which is national. They're everywhere. Some would argue this podcast has an in-house draft guy, but apparently not. I like Adam Hogue draft Twitter. <laughs> Kevin Fishbane and I were talking about Adam Hogue draft Twitter. I'm here sometimes just for Adam Hogue draft Twitter. Like during the draft? Yes, yes, yes. We we were commenting on your draft Twitter. Well, I think it's... uh, That makes it sound like you're making fun of it, but okay. There was a couple times where I had a hashtag Adam Hogue draft Twitter. No, no, no. Did you? I'm commending you, and and I brought it back because we're teammates. We're podcast partners. I don't want people to perceive that I'm making fun when I was actually complimenting. Well, you know, in fairness, this year, I, uh, you know, really last year, and I've admitted this publicly before, when when WGN Radio got the White Sox, it became a lot harder for me to spend those months diving through tape like I used to, yes. which I really enjoy doing with these draft prospects. So, you know, admittedly, the last two drafts, um, and last year I was writing a little bit for Pro Football Weekly, so it kind of forced me to to do some of it, fight through it. But like when I got done, and it was White Sox season, I was like, "Oh my god, I need a breather." Um, so this year I was still doing a lot of prep, but like sort of keeping notes more than putting it out there the whole time. So uh, there were probably a little bit more times during the draft this year where I was like, "Who the heck is that guy?" Yeah. Um, but there was also 
Uh, that happens every year, though. Even oh, if sure. you do prep, yeah. I mean, that happened with Tariq Cohen. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was one of the years I was I felt fully prepped going to the draft. And so I'm like, Tariq Cohen, fourth round. Who the heck is this guy? North Carolina A&T or whatever it is. Um, and, and that, of course, kind of happened with Stephen Denmark. Valdosta State. I didn't... Uh, you watch any Valdosta can't State Can't tell you where that school year? even is. <laughs> I can't either. Where I, I meant to look that up, actually. Let's, let's look that up real quick. Valdosta... State location. S T A T E. This is how you Google things, folks. Uh, it is in Valdosta, Georgia. Oh, okay. The more you know. That Georgia connection is just flowing for the Bears. Yeah. How about that Georgia pipeline? That's what they said. Basically. Well, it is. Now I'm curious where how close it is to Atlanta or Athens. Ooh, it's almost at the Florida border. Southern Georgia. Okay. The more you know. The more you know. Hey, uh, Steven Denmark. That that's a that's an interest. I, I can't wait to see this guy this weekend. Seriously, <laughs> think he's just like a make believe football he, character. He kind of seems like one. Last name Denmark. Okay, so he's not really six four. Like, because see, here's the problem with a guy like that who doesn't have a combine profile. Went to Valdosta State. Like, I actually try to get the real numbers on these guys. Yeah. Um, you know, because the height and weight are nowhere near what they're listed at in college. They're always different. So a guy like that, though, it said he was 6'4". It turns out he's actually 6'2 and a half. Yeah. So a little bit shorter than we thought. Uh, Some college programs like high school programs. Got to inflate the measurables. Right. Okay, but I've heard of 6'2 cornerbacks. I've never heard of a 6'4 corner. No. I'm like, what? This guy's 6'4"? Uh, so he's not really that tall. But he still looks like a wide receiver. Yeah. Where does he rank in your favorite people with names, last names from countries? Ooh. In my opinion, nobody's going to beat Kathy Ireland. Okay. It's Kathy Ireland. Matt Canada? Yeah, there's another one. Um, ooh, now this is kind of a fun game. Never heard of anyone named Mexico. Mexico. There's Todd France, the notable oh, agent. Yeah. 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 There's a few out anyone there. Anyone named England? England? I don't know. There's a few Irelands out there. Ireland? Jeff Ireland. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting question. No, Kathy Denmark. Ireland is tops. If you're a kid, if you're a boy raised in the 90s, Kathy Ireland is tops. Did you see Mitch Trubisky this offseason took, it was on Instagram, had a, a selfie with Kathy Ireland. It, I did not see that. Yes, yes. Go through the gram. I'm back on the gram. It's back on the phone. I don't see you post anything, though. No. Oh, I, I did this week during draft. I saw you post on Facebook for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I don't do Facebook. You don't much. even go by your real name on Facebook. No, don't tell people the fake name. You're actually Adam Mexico on yes, Facebook. Yes, that, that's it. That's it. Adam Mexico. <laughs> Zero dark DAs. Zero dark DAs. There, there you go. I'd like to start by speaking directly to our friend. The Bears. Oh, do you know anyone named Denmark? No. I've never heard of that. No. That is kind of like if you just. Met somebody named Steven Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Denmark. There's got to be somebody. I'm not making fun of his name. It's interesting. I yes. like, I, I've never actually really thought about country names before, but they're, they are a thing. They are a thing, yes. Interesting. So this kid will be fascinating to look. We're going to go through all these draft prospects. Um, obviously, we had our episode over the weekend. Glad we were able to get that to you. Um know a lot of people enjoyed hearing from Lou Ianni, who had great insight on David Montgomery. We're probably not going to do too much on Montgomery in this podcast since we spent 30 minutes on it over the weekend. Definitely look at the rest of this uh, draft class and 
here's where a place where I want to start though, Johns. I feel like we're it's not quite to the levels the Mitch Trubisky trade, but I was really surprised driving around all the different places I had to drive yesterday, uh, listening to the sports talk radio, how much chatter there was about Ryan Pace trading up again. Are we doing this whole thing again? Are I we think that we are. We're, we're that upset about a twenty twenty fourth round pick? I think we are. I, 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 I do not get this. No, I, see, I, I understand the point of view. Dan Pompey, now my new colleague at The Athletic, I think did a, a great column explaining the other side. I kind of lean more By toward, other side, you mean you know, the, not liking the giving up No, no, I, I, don't, I don't think he minds it. It's just that the other side likes the, the value of having more picks, right? Well, what's the old argument? Okay. The, more, the more you have, the more of a chance to, to, you, you have to get things right. Well, it is interesting that the Patriots, who they've traded with the last two years, the Patriots certainly fall under the category of teams that just like to acquire a lot of picks. Yes. Now, I would also say... They haven't had a great draft recently. They haven't going. drafted well. Yes. So if you're a team that... I think they took a punter this year, but go on. They did. If you're a team that doesn't draft well, then I understand wanting more picks. It, it uh, you know, it, it helps compensate for the amount of error that you're having in your picks. If you're if you're a general manager though, and a team like the Bears, that I, I really, if this draft class and let's just say Montgomery and Ridley just turn out to be good contributors, I mean we're talking about a good five year run here of good drafting in Chicago, which was basically unheard of before Ryan Pace got here. Uh, not unheard of, but it's been had been a while since the picks that Jerry Angelo hit on in the mid, mid early to mid two thousands. So, if your team like Ryan Pace already proved in twenty seventeen, he can have five draft picks and pull out three Pro Bowlers. Now I don't know if that's going to happen again. That's crazy numbers in the NFL draft world, but I think it makes him comfortable that he can make these moves to give up a mid round pick in a future year to make sure he's getting a guy that he thinks can contribute day one when the season starts this year. If I'm a fan, I like if my GM is comfortable, and to use Ryan Pace's word, has conviction in his board. David Montgomery's a great example. That, that's our guy. There's no one else left on that cloud. You know what? I'm going to go get him because the next cloud isn't as good. Sure, I could get a, another running back, but in our evaluations, I'm going to trust my evaluations. I'm going to trust my guys. We think that guy's better than a Devin Singletary. We think he's better than a Damian Harris. I'm going to go get him. And they did. I like that philosophy. Yeah. Trusting your board more, going for the guys that, that, that you want. The Bears don't have glaring needs other than kicker. Sure, they could use depth here and there. And sure, the future is, is more open-ended than, than, than people think because of the contracts, the, the construction of the contracts. But trust your board. Trust your guys. That's why they drafted a, a, you know, a receiver in the fourth round when you have that being your deepest position. Side note, when we talk about these clouds, I can't get Super Mario Brothers out of my head when you're like jumping from cloud to cloud. I don't know why. Yeah. That, that always happens. I was always a yeah. Luigi guy. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's wait, do what? this. Luigi, dude. Come on. Why? Why not? Well, Who, wait, wait. Who's a Luigi guy? Yeah, seriously. Why are you a Mario guy? Uh, because he's the best character of all time. I don't know. Best character of all time. I'm more of a Yoshi guy, personally. Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember when Yoshi came out and he's got the the tongue? He's just eating everything. Yeah, yeah. No, um, no. Who were you in Super Mario Kart? Usually Yoshi. Yoshi. Oh, you were a Yoshi guy in Super Mario. Yeah, or Universal I, I, Man. Mario all the way, every game. Yep. Tennis. Yeah. It's Super Mario Kart too. Yep. I was a Toad guy. 
Toad's Toad Toad's worse than Yoshi. Toad had impressive control in Super Mario Kart. You wanted to make those tight turns in Ghost Valley. Toad was your guy. Ooh, I would even Ghost go Ghost Valley. Good, good, good level. Yeah. Yes. Ghost Valley. One. That one always mess with me. You just you think you can make the turn and then you just fly off the bridge mm. into the water. That's why you needed Toad. Ugh. I like being Bowser and just running over Toad. That was always fun. <laughs> The bad guy. Uh, anyway, that's where clouds just took us. Um, back to <laughs> back to this idea though of trading up because I want to I want to kind of go back a few years and track the trades that has been, have been made. Ryan Pace now made nine draft day trades. Uh, six of them are move up, three to move down. But let's just go back to the Trubisky trade, okay? So um, he gives up the third and fourth round pick in 2017. And then the 2018 third round pick. So the result of that was the draft class just mentioned. They ended up with five picks. Hey, three of them. Mitch Trubisky, Tariq Cohen, Eddie Jackson all went to the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, So that ended up working out. Not having the quantity, he got the quality. But everyone was all up in arms going into last year's draft because they didn't have this third round pick. It sparked this whole thing again. They didn't need to trade the picks. Blah, blah, blah. Uh... What did Ryan Pace end up doing? He didn't have a third-round pick. He's sitting there right out. He drafted James Daniels in the second round. He makes another trade, this time with the Patriots, moves up, gets a second second-rounder out of this thing. Okay, so he didn't have a third. He ends up with two second-round picks instead. Now, obviously, to do that, he had to give up 2019 draft capital. Uh, and as I mentioned in my 10 Bears things, this gets kind of confusing. You know, everything they gave up. In each trade. So they end up losing their second round uh, pick in 2019 in that trade. Now, this is where I want to bring up a few things. One, these moves are all extremely calculated. They run through all of these scenarios before the draft starts, okay? It's not like Ryan Pace is sitting there and on a whim because he gets a gut feeling. He gives up future picks because all of a sudden he gets a gut feeling on a guy. It's all thoroughly thought out. They use different point charts to not just one, but a number of point charts to judge the value of these trades before they're made. And they're not always completely even. But they've talked about the scenarios. Okay, where can we uh, maybe give up a couple points here? Where are we gaining a few points here in this trade? So, and I'll give you an example of the opposite. Uh, we have talked about this before. But in 2017, John Lynch, the guy who fleeced Ryan Pace in that trade, uh, in the fourth round, had a guy, there was a guy named Joe Williams running back who was not on his draft board. He had character concerns, did not like him. Kyle Shanahan, though, liked him. And in the fourth round, John Lynch ends up on the phone with Joe Williams, who convinces him to draft him. What does he do? He drafts a guy who wasn't on his own draft board. That guy is no longer in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Okay? You cannot operate that way. That is careless. Ryan Pace has not been doing that. All this stuff has been thought out. So another thing about this is timing. So Ryan Pace goes into this draft this year without a first and second round pick because he traded for Cleo Mack. Nobody's debating that one. Uh, Now, if you want to debate the Anthony Miller trade from last year, he doesn't have a second rounder this year. Here's the thing, though. It's all about timing. He recognizes that's a position where you usually need a year to develop. You almost never see wide receivers come in and dominate right away. Even Antonio Brown 
needed a year before he freaked oh, out. A lot of guys. A lot of guys. Yeah. So instead of waiting a year to draft another wide receiver, he gets a guy a year early, puts him in Matt Nagy's system, which is complicated to learn. And the guy was relatively productive while playing through an injured shoulder for I, I most of the season. I believe he led the Bears with seven touchdown catches. He did. And again, played through an injured shoulder the whole year. So I think it's fair to call him the Bears' second-round pick this year. And it's a year where Pace correctly identified that they were going to have a breakout season. So now he looks ahead in the roster. This is all part of the equation, guys. Again, there's a lot of thought that goes into this. He's looking at the depth chart. He's looking at the future. Now, I don't, I'm not saying a year ago they knew exactly how Jordan Howard was going to fit in the offense, but they end up this year in a situation where running backs are greatest need going into the draft. That's not a position where in this system you need a Todd Gurley. You do not need Todd Gurley. You do not need to use a first-round pick or even a second-round pick to get a guy that fits Matt Nagy's system. They knew all this. Like, they... They go into this thinking about it. So, yes, they didn't have a first or second round pick, but they ended up in a comfortable spot in the third round where they knew they could get their running back, their greatest need, with that third round pick. And, okay, again, to grab the guy they wanted to make sure they got, they had to move up 14 spots. So he gives up a 2020 fourth rounder next year. But guess what? 2020, they're already in better shape despite all these trades. And it seems like he keeps pushing draft capital back a year, back a year, back a year. But you look at 2020, no, they do not have a first-round pick. But they have two second-round picks, and they're going to have at least three in the first five rounds. So they're already in better shape than they were this year when they only had two picks in five rounds. So you're saying a bunch of people are overreacting. Yes. And how all of this is fluid. Yes. Okay. Speaking of fluid... Two picks. We don't really know where they're going to fall. They're conditional. One in the Mac trade, one in the Jordan Howard trade. They could end up having two more fifth rounders, too. I think you're finally getting your first comp pick, too. Probably getting a comp pick. First one. Maybe just one because of the Adrian Amos deal. Some other things didn't work out. First of all, that people obsess over comp picks because good teams have them, and I get it. But that process of gaining those comp picks is so complicated. It's complicated. That, that, that equation, no one knows how it really, really works. Some teams have perfected it like the Rams, but look, they're finally in position because the roster is a better position to receive a comp pick this year. Well, but, that's what it all comes back to, drafting well. Yes. Because if they get a comp pick, now even whether it comes Adrian Abel's, it's Callahan, players they picked up on their own, Callahan was undrafted, but that they developed. But, 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 Draft it, and develop. That's, that's what this that's is all about. Forget. In order to gain a comp pick, is you need to... Say goodbye to important players in your roster. That that's going to happen. Right. That happened this year with Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. They decided to allocate their finances for something different, for someone different. You cannot pay Adrian Amos the contract he got from the Packers and then make Eddie Jackson the highest paid safety in the league next year. You just can't do that. It's not financial sense. You can't invest that much money in your safety position. You just can't. So Yeah. I'd, yeah. So what thought is that for you uh number three i believe okay Okay. thing thing thing. yes sorry sorry thing um again all of this not all of this there's a lot more you can get on uh, my 10 bear things but um i will also mention sticking to the best player available mentality too can lead to situations like the thing i think the bears the bear this wide receiver situation is very interesting yes because 
you're looking at the depth chart and you're going, um, okay, I think I see four locks with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Cordero, Pat- Cordero Patterson, and Anthony Miller. Okay, sometimes last year they kept five, sometimes they had six. Well, Javon Wims, people forget they signed Marvin Hall, Riley Ridley, Emmanuel Hall. Like, that's four extra guys right there. Yeah. You can't keep all four of those guys. Someone's going to be an odd man out there. Yeah. At least one. Maybe you're going to try to slip one of them to the practice squad, but that's probably not going to be Ridley. I don't know if that's going to be Hall. Um, maybe it depends on how he Not too long ago, I talked to somebody with the Bears, and and look, they they think they got something in Javon Wims, too. So that's the thing. If all of these guys perform in the preseason, this gets back to what I was saying, though. You draft best player available, you might end up with one position group that's just loaded, like this wide receiver position appears to be. Well, maybe it's uh, late August and you work out a trade. Yeah. Maybe Javon Williams looks great, but you don't really have a spot for him. You turn him into a six, maybe even a fifth-round pick. Okay, so that's where more draft capital can be acquired if you continue to draft well. That would be a seventh-round pick from last year, developing... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could. Maybe you turn that into a sixth or fifth round pick in the future. It's possible. So these are the things you all have to keep in mind. Do not spend your time stressing out about a 2020 fourth round pick because Ryan Pace wanted to make sure they got David Montgomery. Say it again. Do not stress out about a 2020 fourth round pick because Ryan Pace wanted to make sure they got David Montgomery. You almost nailed it. You laughed this time, but well done. I like laughing. It's fun. You should laugh. All right. Let's bring in Dane Brugler because he knows more about all these players than we do. So Dane Brugler, we've been talking about him because he's he's the athletics uh, draft expert. And uh, I want to start with this, Dane. When, when the draft is over, are you relieved? Or, I mean, this is <laughs> what you do, and I'm sure you love what you do. So is it a little bittersweet, or are you just kind of relieved that it's over? Uh, it's, I mean, don't told my wife this but it, it, if i was pregnant i imagine it'd be something like that you know like cause you <laughs> you put so much into this one thing and then all of a sudden one day it's over you know it's like you move on to a different stage so for a year or you know 10 11 months you're building up to this three-day process and then all of a sudden it changes instead of talking about their skill sets and scouting these guys and you know, projecting where they're going to be in the NFL. Now you shift towards, okay, well, they're on teams and how do they fit and how did it work? And, you know, just the entire aftermath of it. And meanwhile, have to turn the page and move towards next year. So it's definitely an interesting process because you put so much into it and then just kind of over a weekend it's over. So there is definitely a bittersweet element to it, but uh, you know, it's, I've been doing this enough, uh, you know, long enough where, um, you know, I, hopefully I'm used to it by now, but uh, it's definitely an interesting feeling. I know you always get the, the early mock draft out, but do you give yourself a, a little break to, to catch your breath? I mean, how long do you turn off the, the, the evaluation process for yourself and then dig right back into to the next year? Well, yeah, you know, I, I need to introduce my, reintroduce myself to the wife and, and the kids, make sure they didn't forget about me. And um, so I have, need a few weeks to do that. And then, yeah, it's right back to it. And, you know, this year we're in the middle of a move. And so it's just kind of into one thing into the other. And, you know, just a daily reminder of how being an adult just isn't the best <laughs> thing out there. Um, it but, sucks, you know, it's, uh, it's part of it. And so, you know, I'm, 
I'll tell you this. I am very blessed to be able to watch tape for a living and write about it and talk about it. And so you will never hear me complain about that. And so I, I cannot wait to get going on the 2020 class and getting to know these seniors better and getting a base foundation over the summer and then getting into the season once it starts in a few months. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this Bears draft class. And uh, well, there's only five picks to talk about because Ryan Pace is. Uh, done so much draft trading and, of course, lost the first-round picks uh, for the next couple of years in the Khalil Mack deal. So they didn't have a pick until the third round. I still felt like there was a good chance they might trade up to get their guy uh, just because with the lack of picks, I think they, there was sort of a pressure to make sure they get a guy they really liked. And um, at least from what we covered over the weekend here in Chicago, Dane, the Bears certainly like David Montgomery out of Iowa State. How, how do you view uh, the running back? Yeah, and there's, there's not a lot not to like with David Montgomery. Uh, consistently productive, uh, love the balance. Now, he's not a, a home run hitter per se. He doesn't have that elite athletic profile, and that shows on film. He's not a guy that's going to consistently win with just speed alone, but he's very elusive in short areas where uh, you know he understands how to set up his moves and he'll make guys miss, uh, but he's also going to run with power. So he's not just going to try to avoid – contact he's not afraid to run through you if that's where you know he decides okay that's my best chance to gain a few extra yards um so there i don't think there's much special about him as an athlete but his combination of balance vision toughness uh and then just the versatility where he can do it all uh receiving blogging you just feel really good about david montgomery uh fitting into that scheme and being a prominent part of what they're trying to do on offense, a guy that you can rely on. He's not going to put the ball on the ground. Uh, then you factor in the character off the field. Um, you know, talking to his coaches at Iowa State, uh, you know, it's it gets to the point where you just kind of have to cut them off because they just won't stop talking about how amazing of a person that he is, culture changer, that type of thing. And so I was – after going into Friday, uh, Thursday night, um, uh, after the first round of the draft, um, a little birdie told me to – as I was doing my second and third round mock draft to uh, to force David Montgomery to the Bears in my in my mock draft. So I did do that. And turns out it, it did happen. It required a trade-up. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Bears, without having – uh, a, a pick in the first two rounds still came away with a heck of a first pick in the draft. You, you mentioned fitting into the scheme. When you go back and analyze where the, these players go, regardless of your rankings, how much do you think of the fit? You, you look at like some of these mid-round guys that have taken off, um, mm-hmm. these mid-round running backs that have taken off in certain situations, right? your David Johnsons, your Kareem Hunts. How much is it the, these teams plucking the, the, the right guy, finding their right guy, and that being the, 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 the part of the process that really takes these guys in, into stardom, maybe. Oh, shit is everything. And that's, you know, I'll do a lot of, you know, like fantasy football-related podcasts or things like that uh, during the draft process. And I, I really don't like doing them because they want to know, okay, well, you know, who's the best rookie running back? Who do I need to get? And I was like, I, I can't answer you because I don't know what team he's playing for yet. You know, like Josh Jacobs, I think he's the best running back in this class, but if he doesn't go to the right scheme, he doesn't go to the right situation, then all of a sudden, maybe I'm, you know, not as high on him as a fantasy player as I would be a David Montgomery if he lands with Chicago. So, I mean, absolutely, so much of it is where these guys land, the situation, 
uh, you know, the who else is on the depth chart? Who, who are the coaches? Uh, you know, what's the fit uh, schematically? So there, there's so much that goes into it. And most times when you see a uh, mid-round running back or a mid-round receiver, someone like that, so much, it's not so much that teams missed. It's so it's more that the team or that player went to an ideal situation where it really allowed for their strengths as players, their their talent to grow and blossom. And, you know, we'll see it this year. There will be more than a few draft picks that came after the second or third round who end up being steals. And, um, you know, I think the Bears got one in the seventh round. Um, so I, I think there's definitely a few of these guys, just like every year. Um, it's just it all depends on fit. So a lot of times teams, when they get a guy, say, oh, we can't believe he fell to us. Or, you know, We're so excited about it. But I, I genuinely felt that's what Ryan Pace was feeling when Riley Ridley fell to them in the fourth round mm-hmm. position that they didn't really have a need for uh, a wide receiver, at least a big need for a wide receiver, and they took the best player available on their board. Where did you have Ridley ranked, and, and why do you think he fell that far? Well, and kudos to to Pace for sticking to the board and saying, yeah, yeah, we really we don't need a receiver here, but this is too good of a player to pass up um, at this point in the draft. Uh, yeah, pick one twenty six. I mean, that's just that's tremendous value. I had Riley really as my number fifty nine player in the draft, um, and he fell because he's not a great athlete. Uh, he's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete. You know, at six one, two hundred pounds. He's, uh, you know, ran in the high four fives or the low four fives, four five eight, four five nine. Um, you know, the jumps were great. And he's not a naturally explosive player. Uh, you know, he's, but he's similar to his brother, Calvin, who obviously uh, had a really good rookie year for the Falcons, former first round pick. He's very, uh, he pays attention to his routes. Uh, there's close attention. There's very, there's, you see a lot of detail in his footwork, the way he sets up his breaks. Um, you know, he understands. And that, to me, that's the biggest difference between, um, you know, a lot of these receivers is the guys that have been skating through their entire lives on speed or size or whatever. And that's why wide receiver traditionally is a position that takes the longest to adjust to the NFL because they're not used to facing press uh, on uh, every single snap. They're not used to having to beat corners that are big and fast uh, with uh, nuance or technique or uh, just a little more finesse. And, and it's just, it's, you can't win with just your physical traits. Um, you know, it's great to have everything like a Julio Jones, but not everybody does. Very few do have that. Riley Ridley is one of the guys that might not be a burner, but he understands the dance. He understands how to set up his routes and how to manipulate coverage. Um, and so I think that that attention to detail as a route runner is why I really liked Riley Ridley and why I think the Bears are getting a pretty good player uh, that they were able to land in the fourth round. How do you feel about their their other three picks? Obviously, you know, Duke Shelley, Kareth White, and Steve Denmark, they're sixth and seventh rounders for, for reasons, right? Um, whether it's Duke Shelley not having size or, or durability, Denmark needs experience. Just in terms of what they got that late, how do they measure up to, to what you had ranked, and where do you think maybe they fit in, in, in terms of projections here for the Bears? Yeah, and I, I did not have Shelley ranked very high, and it really just came down to size. Uh, you know, he's 5'8 half, 173 pounds, and I felt like that showed up quite a bit on tape. And because of that, I, I rated him pretty low. Uh, but when he was in the right position, he was able to make plays in the football. So 
um, you know, I, I think that it, maybe he will be able to mask that lack of size. Uh, and and he's, it's not like he's a burner. He was in like the high four fours in his 40s. So, you know, he, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete. Um, I just, I don't know, the size really bothered me. But uh, at the same time, he might be able to overcome that because I think he plays with instincts. He plays with ball skills. Um, he's a good athlete. And so we'll have to see how that plays out. Kareth White in the seventh, uh, you know, didn't really anticipate them doubling up at, at running back. But it makes sense when you talk about, uh, you know, a later round pick, a guy who was in the shadow of Devin Singletary at FAU. But uh, when he was got his chances, when he had his opportunities, he, he was a productive player. And he also helps – as a return man, uh, FAU has only two kick returns in the entire history of the program, and White has both of them. So uh, he's been able to help you out as a kick returner. And then the kind of who I was alluding to earlier with Steven Denmark, one of my favorite players in the draft, um, you know, a guy that I would have targeted on day three and found a way to get him in, uh, get him on my team. I, I just think he's too good. He's a developmental player. Uh, he's uh, was a wide receiver. They moved in the corner. Um, was my number 24 corner in this draft. Uh, and then, you know, at this past year, they just threw him out there and he used his size, six, two and a half, 220 pounds, his four, four speed. And he was productive. He had three picks, 12 passes defended. He tested off the charts. Um, it's just going to take some time for him to adjust and, you know, learn more about, uh, the technique of the position and how to transition out of his pedal and, um, you know, the different, uh, little things about how to locate the football with his back turned. And it, it's going to take some time. But at the same time, I, I feel like he's too talented to put on the practice squad because someone's going to go after him, uh, because you just love the traits that you have to work with. And so if I was looking for a developmental corner somewhere on day three, Denmark was, you know, he fits the bill. That's the type of guy that I would have targeted. So I really liked what the Bears did in the later portion of the draft. Yeah, we were just talking about how I can't wait to see that guy at Bears rookie minicamp just to see how, yeah. you know, how he really looks in person because, you know, that big of a corner uh, and that raw at the position, it's going to be interesting to watch him develop this summer uh, and see where he lands. The last guy I want to ask you about is Emmanuel Hall because mm. most guys had most people thought he was going to be drafted. He ends up slipping all the way through. Um, I know he was dealing with an injury last year. Uh, his father passed away that he missed some games with Mizzou last year because of that. But uh, really surprising to see him fall out, at least in my opinion. And then he ends up signing with the Bears, which again, pretty loaded at wide receiver. Um, but he seems like a guy who, who might have the talent to stick as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, he, the talent's there. There's not a question about talent. Uh, he has elite speed. Uh, and, you know, Drew Locke at Missouri has an, a big-time arm. He can put the ball anywhere he wants. But there were a lot of times where uh, Emmanuel Hall would get downfield on a vertical route so quickly that he had a, he, he would be at the top of his route, and he'd have to stand and wait for the ball to get to him because he is just that fast. He has elite track speed, especially for a player that's 6'2", 200 pounds, um, so you love that about him. You love the lower body burst, explosion. Uh, and Missouri, they were a different team without him last year. 7-0 and when he played in the games, 1-5 and when he was out or limited. So and, and Drew, uh, Drew Locke would be the first one to tell you. I mean, he literally used the word blanky when describing Emmanuel Hall as kind of that, uh, that, that safety net for him um, and how different the offense was uh, when Hall was in there and when he wasn't. But the thing is, is when you talk to people in Missouri, um, and that's, that's part of the scouting process, is you talk to people, not just uh, the player, not just people close to him, but you talk to people that from the situation that he's coming from, 
and you didn't always get the best responses. Um, you didn't always get favorable reviews, and part of it is just his injury history and his lack of uh, urgency to get back from those injuries, um, you know, minor things that he was just not able to fight through. And if you don't have the not only the mental toughness but the physical toughness to fight through some of these injuries, you're just not going to make it in the NFL. And so I gave him a second-round grade based on tape, but then after talking to people, I lowered that to, you know, the fourth round. But that wasn't even – that wasn't enough, obviously. Uh, you know, there wasn't a single team willing to bet on that. And that, that is a direct result of people at Missouri being honest with NFL teams and kind of explaining that he just wasn't a reliable player for us. When he was on the field, sure, loved him. You know, he had his talent. But unless he puts it all together, unless he adapts more of a uh, finishing mentality and uh, just adapts that toughness, he's just not going to make it at the next level. So really, now it's on Emmanuel Hall. Maybe a little bit of a wake-up call for him, falling all the way out of the draft, being a free agent. It's it's up to him to show and prove that he can stay on the field and be reliable. Because if he can do that, he is an NFL player and he'll be a steal for the Bears. Dean, when we opened this episode, we were talking about how the conversation, at least in Chicago, has shifted back to Ryan Pace's willingness to move up and down the draft. And again, David Montgomery is an example of moving up uh, in the draft like he did with Trubisky, like he did with Leonard Floyd, like he's done with Eddie Jackson. Guys who have been good picks. He's done it before. Mm -hmm. This time he went up 14 to get David Montgomery. How how do you feel about a general manager? You, You talk to him all across the league in terms of ones that act upon their board, their convictions, and seeing certain things play out and being a little bit bold, being a little bit aggressive, and going up to, to get your guy? I support 100%. And a lot of it depends on the situation and where your team is. And, you know, sometimes qual- or quantity is better than quality. It just it depends. But uh, for a lot of these teams that are maybe a piece away or – uh, you know, it's just you want to take that next step. And, you know, for example, I I did uh, the, during the three days of the draft, I was part of the coverage on DallasCowboys.com. Um, you know, they brought me in to, you know, bring a national perspective. And, you know, we covered every single pick. And I was not complimentary of what the Cowboys did because I thought they got way too conservative. And instead of, you know, the Cowboys, kind of like the Bears, are one of those teams that are a few picks away where, you know, they just, you know, in order to take the next step, they need to make a few bold moves. And I think the Bears did that. The Cowboys didn't. They reached on three technique in the second round. And then, um, you know, there was a situation in the fourth round where the Cowboys had two picks in the fourth round that were like seven picks apart from each other. And so they had to decide that they, they really like two players, Tony Pollard, the running back from Memphis, and um, the corner, Isaiah Johnson from Houston, they had to decide which order they were going to take them to get both players. They decided to take the offensive player first, Tony Pollard, and then Isaiah Johnson went with the very next pick to the Raiders. So they missed out on Isaiah Johnson, where if, I think if they would have taken Isaiah Johnson or they would have traded up to get their guy, um, you know, they, they would have had a better situation instead of uh, – they, instead they ended up trading back from that fourth-round pick since Isaiah Johnson was off the board, and they picked up another seventh-rounder. And Now, that's great. They need bodies as well to fill out your roster – but for a team like the Cowboys, who are, uh, you know, seemingly a step away, uh, you know, go get your guy. Go get the player that's going to impact your roster in the best way. And it's not that's not the answer for everybody. You know, some teams, uh, you, you do need more quality or quantity 
um, than anything else as they kind of rebuild and structure their, their roster. But for certain teams, especially the Bears and the Cowboys, teams like that, certainly I, 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 I would rather you be bold and go and get your guys and believe in all the work that you put in throughout the process and make your team better. Yeah, I mean, that's how we, we were talking about here. I mean, that's that's basically where I fall on it. I mean, you put all this work into it. You don't want to be in a situation where you have regret in that draft room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the way that Ryan Pace has operated the last five years. And one of the stories that circulate House Hall still is the Aaron Donald year, where they drafted Cal yeah. Fuller, where they thought mm. that Aaron Donald was going to fall to them, only to see the Rams take him right, right before. before. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they thought they had a shot. So instead of... They waited instead of acting. Yeah, so that still haunts Dallas Hall a bit. So, well, and you could look at the Eagles this year. They uh, saw the opportunity. I don't think they ever considered Andre Dillard as getting to them in the in the twenties. And lo and behold, he does. And the Texans are sitting there at twenty three, thinking they're going to get a heck of a steal with Andre Dillard because uh, they badly need tackle help. And the Eagles saw the opportunity. They leapfrogged the Texans to get to uh, 22 and get the tackle. And all of a sudden now they have a a succession plan in for Jason Peters. And, you know, one of the reasons why I think the Eagles had a heck of a draft. And meanwhile, the Texans, they ended up taking, uh, you know, the Alabama State kid, which is, I thought, a little bit of a reach uh, at that point. I think he, in time, um, you know, he'll be a good player. But at that point, I think they had the rug uh, pulled out from under him a little bit. Yeah, so it's all it's always interesting how those things fall out, but uh you know if you're aggressive and you make sure you get your guy, you know, at least there's no regrets there. Dane, appreciate mm-hmm. all the insight. Uh, great stuff and uh you know, uh, I appreciate all the work all of you draft analysts do for for months and months leading up to this thing. So gr- so great work. Yes, fantastic stuff. Thank you, Dane. Appreciate it, Adam. So there he is, Dane Brugler. Great stuff. Uh insight. I I you know, anytime you get a guy like Emmanuel Hall and you're like, "Why did he fall away out of the draft and he's got that insight from Missouri that sounds like people within their own school um wait did know, he hang up already I was kind of hoping to ask him about Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush and you know a couple other guys all the bad Michigan players whoa whoa bad <laughs> bad I'll tell that to the Steelers <laughs> I really did not like the Rashawn Gary pick yeah that was like, odd wasn't it like we we didn't pick him in our mock draft last week. He fell all the way out of the first round. So I guess if there was a team to get him, it was the Packers. And right? maybe the Packers were the team that were you know saying that about him. That we talked about it on the uh, on the draft podcast about you know is he injured? How injured is he? And you know maybe it's a team trying to sneak him past everybody else. But the Packers were picking pretty early. They got him at twelve. So. But I'm in this text group with all these Packer fans because they're my college buddies from Wisconsin that are all my fancy football league, and they were all they, none of them liked the pick when it happened. They will. So now they won't. Chase Winovich to the Patriots, though. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a great pick. Great. Pick. All right. <laughs> so Emmanuel Hall. Uh, you know, there's, so there's questions within their own school about how reliable of a player he was. Now, that's interesting insight. That makes me question, you know, how reliable he'll be when he gets here. And now we're talking about the next level, the NFL level. You know, people always get excited over certain undrafted free agents for, for various reasons. But look, just Dane's comments, I think they illustrate just how much research teams put into this, how much research full-time draft analysts like Dane your Mayaks, your Kuipers, your Jeremiah's, your, even your, uh, what's the GM of the, uh, 
I said Mayock already, did I not? Yeah. He's yeah. He's, he's not the... Uh, Mike Mayock is the Raiders GM. Yeah, he's not a draft analyst anymore. But he was he was a good draft analyst. So maybe maybe he was a draft analyst technically for for John Gruden. But you get my point. Yep, the work that these guys put into it beyond the analysts, the teams, the research. That's why these guys fall. But and also they uh, search for answers that aren't usually apparent to everybody. Before you question, also Missouri, you know whoever it is that said those things about one of their own players. Um, that happens because teams rely on these connections, the coaches, to tell them the truth about certain players. And there's information sharing. There's a back and forth. There's, trust me, there's a lot of relationships oh, yeah. that go on between these schools and the NFL teams. People don't realize there are scouts at practices at the college level. Like, if when when scouts go on these visits, so it's like let's just say they're playing Northwestern Northwestern Michigan game. Michigan game is Saturday. Okay, they'll be on campus late in the week, like Thursday's practice. They'll be at Thursday's practice to watch those guys that they're going to scout on Saturday, too. So it's not just they fly in Saturday morning, and they watch the game, and they leave. I mean, it's a process. They talk to coaches, and they it's it's not they're not publicly bashing anybody. Uh, when you hear Missouri, you know, whoever said this about Emmanuel Hall, it's just somewhere it got out. You know, it's not really supposed to get out, but that's part of the you know the job of the draft analyst is to find these things out too. So um, it's interesting, but the relationships are important. Mm-hmm. You got to trust each other. Yes, yes. These scouts and coaches, these scouts, and it, it, it's amazing to the, the the depth of research some of these scouts put into their job. You know, the work ethic I think separates them. When you get the, the these like you look at like draft day, you know, like people mock that movie. I like that movie. I like it. Kevin Costner. I, I, I even like Kevin Costner a little bit. Movie review. We should have done that before the Postman. Draft. I saw Endgame last night. Yeah, you know what? Between Endgame and Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones, I I I I don't even understand Twitter. It's in a different language right now. <laughs> Sunday night, I'm sitting there hacking away at my ten bears things, and I check Twitter because uh, I'm trying to find you know who's signing with who still, who's getting tryouts with the Bears, and every damn thing is in a different language about some Anya person. Game of Thrones. I saw my first two episodes. It was like season three, just randomly on HBO the other night as they're running through the series. You know me, you make fun of me because I don't have HBO. But I'm ready to commit myself to watching Game of Thrones this summer. Wow. It's a big commitment. I need I need something to take my mind, give my mind a break from football every now and then. I think Game of Thrones will be it. Anyway, back to draft day. See, I started watching Walking oh, Dead. Never mind. No, okay. okay. No, I started watching Walking Dead. I stopped Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah, I, everyone has been telling me that. I stopped. I stopped. Like it just got old? Yeah. It, it was the same thing over and over and over again. See, okay, people keep telling me that. Uh I'm in the middle of season two, so it's still good. It's good, but then they get to a point where, like, we're this group. We're going to go run into this other group. These group are not bad, but this group is kind of nice. But oh, then spoiler we're be, alert. Whoa. We're going to be even a group. They haven't come across really any group. <laughs> I'm, I'm not naming the groups yet. No. Okay. Okay, but anyway. Spoiler alert. Back to draft day and Kevin Costner when he's looking at the quarterback, and nobody's going to the quarterback's party, right? Oh, yeah. It's that type of research. His birthday party. That, that's real stuff. These scouts get into it and they evaluate all that stuff. They 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 kind of really some of these good scouts go the extra distance. But I don't even know where we're going 
with this anymore. <laughs> but, but thank <laughs> well, you, no Game know- of Thrones. Yes. No one knows what's going you know, on in this know? podcast or where we're going ever. Well, yes. I have a question so- about draft strategy. And, you know, I think that the, the best player on the board is kind of the sexy term that everybody uses. It's a, it's, it's a good way to say, like, all right, this was our guy and we, we went with him. Do you think that this team, that this Bears team was in a position to go with the best player available at these certain picks. Like, obviously, they traded up to get the running back. That was the one position that they really needed, and then they kind of fell back on the best player available, where I felt like, sure, great value for Ridley, no doubt, but they could use some help in the secondary. They could use some help, some depth on the offensive line. Why do you think it's better to go with the you know best player available rather than fixate on positions? Well, I think it's... It's risky to go away from that approach to, to pick with need. Like these teams that stress out and pick kickers early, stuff like that. There was, what, two in the fifth round? Mm-hmm. I, I know what happens, and I know some teams panic. Um, I just think that's bad philosophy. Just just overall, in, in general. Like, look, David Montgomery, that, that sounds too convenient, you know, in, in a sense. Like, at least I had that skepticism early on of, of like, of course, this guy's the best player available. But you, you do a little bit more research, and you know he's a third-round guy in that general range where, where the Bears are. See, my, my, my view on it is you just you got to be patient. you got to look at it from a holistic standpoint. You can't just the, – the, it's been painful. I mean, the Bears had – well, how does how does George McCaskey put it? I mean, he put it through four years of hell. Yeah, right. Okay, but look at we look back on those four years, and the Bears didn't win many games. But Ryan Pace's draft classes look good because he was sticking to this best player available, and he made mistakes. Kevin White was a mistake with an asterisk because no one knew he was going to get hurt. But you know, I I still don't know he was ever going to learn all those routes and stick at the NFL level. Um. But over time, you draft this way, it pays off. There's there, like like I just like I brought up earlier, the situation with the wide receivers now, they may end up being able to turn one of these extra guys into a future draft pick. You know, there's always it, it comes around full circle as long as you're drafting well. And I just think you're gonna have the most success drafting if you stick to your draft board. You don't make reaches based on needs. Uh, the the overall picture is your entire depth chart is going to look better over time. It might take a little bit, yeah, but it's just going to be a better approach. Yeah, I, I want to clarify what I was saying earlier about David Montgomery being skeptical at first. Um, I was the reporter who asked, was he the last player on a cloud? And Pace yeah. essentially said, yes. So in this instance, you saw the board match up with the need, if that, if that makes sense. And I think that's why you saw action. It made too much sense. Like the Khalil Mack trade. You saw an opportunity that matched up with a need. Go get it. I think that's like even Trubisky. Need. Board. Go get it. I think that's how they operate. Well, and again, they I guarantee you they had a cloud of guys that maybe whether they viewed them as second rounders or early third rounders... Players that were that they valued higher than 87, which is where they were picking. Okay, so what I talked about earlier with these trade scenarios, they discuss all this. They say, where do we need to go to get this guy? Where where are we comfortable? Which teams get- might be interested in, in this guy, this position at this point it, in the draft? It's all discussed. It is all discussed. They put exhaustive work into it. That's where your pro scouts come in. Absolutely. 
they because they're charged to look at other depth charts and understand yeah. where teams might be and also tendencies. Like right now, I guarantee you, Ryan Pace has a reputation of being the best player available guy. There's other teams out there that the Bears are probably saying, ah, this team might be. They're, they're zeroed in on a running back. They're going to take one no matter what, okay? Because not every team's the same. But it's all discussed. And the bottom line is the Bears felt like David Montgomery was better than number 87 overall. They were comfortable with the compensation they were giving up, and they made the move. Let's not forget that the, the Rams, with Todd Gurley on their roster, started that little run on running backs in the third round there. They traded up to number 70 to get Daryl Henderson. Bears came next. And number 73. Yep. Action. Action. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of these other guys. And, of course, we we, we broke them down with uh, Dan Brugler, but didn't necessarily get to give our own thoughts on it. Um, I love the Riley Ridley pick. And I agree with pretty much everything Dan Brugler said. I mean, this guy is not an athletic freak. Um, he's, he's not going to blow the top off the defense. But... When it comes to wide receivers, man, how many of those types of guys do we see bust out because they don't know how to run routes and they're not good out of their breaks and they don't pluck the ball with with their hands? And I'll give you the the physical traits that Ridley still has is a big wingspan and big hands, and he plucks the ball. If you look at my 10 Bears things, there's a photo in here of Ridley making an incredible catch in the corner of the end zone. Uh, and you look at the photo, and it looks like it's probably a ball that he didn't catch. But he did catch it because he makes those types of contested plays. I love this pick. Corell Patterson is a player. Well, he's on the Bears roster now. I think it's a great counterpoint to this. Or maybe not counterpoint, but an example of the other side. Speed, the, the measurables you want, became a first-round pick of the Vikings, what, five years ago, six years ago? But he's kind of bounced around. Sure. Since then. It's about four different teams, I think. Yes, yes, yes. Measurables aren't everything. And a lot of teams emphasize the measurables, the 40-yard the time, more so than other teams. Route running is an art form. Some guys, Kevin White, just don't get it. They, they have the measurables. They, they have maybe some... It may be something to build on. I mean, maybe they're very coachable, but they just don't get it all the time. Look at Anthony Miller. The reason he became so successful in a very kind of complicated position, he handled that zebra position for the Bears quite a bit last year, yep. is because he was a polished route runner. I vividly remember doing a story on him in camp where Prince Mukamara, the veteran cornerback, is praising him for his route running, the way he set him up with his feet. Kyle Fuller said the same. Eddie Jackson said the same. Guys who have seen a lot of good players at various levels of football were praising Anthony Miller, and you saw him contribute on day one. I would not be surprised if Ridley moves himself up the depth chart because of the way he runs his routes. Absolutely. I mean, and the quarterbacks, they look your way when they know you're going to be open. Okay, you don't need to be 25 yards downfield. You could be seven yards downfield. Um, Trust. But if you're where you're supposed to be, and I remember talking to Mike Furry, and I think we played this audio during the season on this podcast of him bringing up a, a wide receiver that you know ran 12 yards instead of 15. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Mitch Trubisky threw an interception. It looked like it was the quarterback's fault. It was, was it? the wide receiver's fault. You need to be where you're supposed to be. That's an incredibly important part of being a wide receiver. So uh, I, I like the Riley pick, or the Ridley pick uh, a, a lot. So um, 
you know, coming out of the third and fourth round with two players that I really feel like are going to be, I, I don't know that they're going to be, uh, you know, perennial pro bowlers, go to the Hall of Fame or anything like that. But I think David Montgomery and Riley Ridley are going to be contributors in this offense. And again, I can't, I can't stress this enough with these players. Like, Matt Nagy's system is not dependent on Brandon Marshall catching 120 footballs. It's actually dependent on the opposite, that the ball gets spread around, that they're, that the defenses don't know where it's going to go on any given play. It's hard to defend. So you just need guys that are good. And I can bring up a perfect example. Someone tweeted at me before, like right before we started the podcast, said, you know, the Bear, I know the Bears are in a win-now mode, and Taylor Gabriel is a big locker room guy, but I can't help but think that with his underwhelming performance last year under Nagy, that perhaps he's expendable. Well, he wasn't underwhelming. Absolutely not. He doubled his career high in catches. Yes. He went from the mid-30s in multiple years with Atlanta and Cleveland to 67. Now, 67 might not be Antonio Brown numbers, but... In this offense, 67 is a good number. I remember we were talking about Allen Robinson last year, and I think we set the over-under at 80. And I want to say we all took the under. Yeah. Because it's just not how the offense works. I think he hits it this year, Allen Robinson. You think he goes over 80? Yes, I I think, well, if anybody's connection stood out to me, by the end of the year, it was Allen Robinson's. Well, I don't know how you can get that vision of the fourth quarter of the the Bears-Eagles game out of your head if you're Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson, if you're Matt Nagy. Yep. Yeah. That is. They were great. That's something remarkable. Something very tangible to to, to build on. Look, I, I get some of the questions about Gabriel. He's a speed guy. Maybe went down too easy. You know, those deep balls were, were his main highlights, and they tried doing some different gadget like things with him. But again, you can't be afraid to try to upgrade that position, even though you feel like you might be set at it. The Bears still were what twenty fourth in points scored last year, or something. Oh. You can get better. I heard OB scream about it all day on Saturday. Yes. We scored one touchdown in the playoff game. One. You have to upgrade the offense. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Not wrong. And I think that's why they used their, their only two picks in the first five rounds of the draft on offense. Yeah, and you know what? That's why you signed Patterson. That's why you signed Mike Davis. That's why you drafted David Montgomery. The cavalry is here. It'll be interesting. It'll be yes. Interesting. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, let's let's talk about these uh, last couple of uh, last three draft picks. Look, sixth, seventh round. It's a crapshoot. I mean, let's be honest about it. And it, you might as well be an undrafted free agent at that point. But Duke Shelley is an interesting player. You heard Dane Brugler talk about it earlier. He is small. Okay, uh, just shy of 5'9", 173. But, look, this is the same team that found Bryce Callahan as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to get to. Bryce Callahan is small, okay? Had durability concerns, too, coming out of college. I think even Adam Johns is bigger than Bryce Callahan. Oh, thank you. I actually was taller than Bryce. But I I will say, when I talk to Bryce in a locker room... You tower over him. I mean, and I'm not bragging or <laughs> or like over uh you know this isn't hyperbole i like i literally am like looking down on this guy and you're, and you're like you're a really good nfl player yes 
You play defense. You're not just like a speedy guy with the ball in your hands that can run around people. You play defense. You hit hard. You cover bigger wide receivers. Yes. Sometimes tight ends. Well, Bryce was an exceptional athlete. His leaping ability. He was called the best dunker in the Bears locker room by multiple teammates. From Martellus Bennett to, to some guys last year. Now, I don't know if Duke Shelley is going to posterize some guys. But he seems to have the ball skills. He seems to ha- have that fiery demeanor. And Pace said right away that he's he's projected to be a slot guy. They gave Bryce Callahan some time to learn. They got Buster Screen here. Give Duke Shelley some time to learn. Look, I don't know much about the, the seventh-round guys, but I think Duke Shelley has a real chance to be not only a special teamer this year, but a contributor maybe sooner than later, just trying to project him as a Bryce Callahan type guy for the slot. Yeah, but I mean, this is how you handle a roster. You bring in a, you're, you're kind of forced to bring in a veteran and buster screen because you're losing somebody you drafted, develop, you just can't afford to keep. And so you bring in the veteran option, but you don't stop there. You're tr- this is this is this is the real attempt to get the Bryce Callahan replacement. Okay? Any and if you're that's not a knock on screen, but if you're a smart general manager, that's how you handle this. You do not and I think Pace has learned the hard way with some of these free agents that he signed over the year. I mean, a lot of these guys have busted out fast. So, so guarantee that Buster Screen is going to be great. And so you draft somebody under him that can learn, develop, um, and maybe he'll turn out to be pretty good. I mean, I don't know. It's a sixth round, but I like the thinking. I like the logic. Bryce here. Callahan was undrafted. Yeah. It happens. You can find them. Uh, okay. Kareth White. If you watch Devin Singletary, um, you couldn't help but one notice Kareth White, but also question. Well, you're also sitting there going, "Why did Singletary get less touches? Why did his production go down?" It's because Lane Kiffin couldn't keep this kid off the field. In White, um, very different than Montgomery. He's more of a home run hitter. He doesn't have the same wiggle t- to evade tacklers in traffic, um, but he is somebody fast who's fast. Who if you can get the ball in in his hands in space. Could be a it could be a weapon. So, just another piece that when you have a head coach like Matt Nagy could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and maybe we'll, um, you know, I don't know how long Cordell Patterson is going to be a Bear. We just talked about how well his two year deal is basically a one year deal, but right. And he's bounced around a little bit. So, you know, this is a guy that can also help you in the kick return game, but. I don't know that he's he's going to have to battle to make this team, and if he does make the team, he's probably a guy who's going to be inactive. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, he's a classic case or an example, whatever, where waived, resigned to the practice squad. Yeah, like he could take Taquan Mazel's role of that, the guy who bounces back and forth. Sure, sure, he's that long-awaited replacement for take. Actually, I still think that's Mike Davis, but. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Somebody who's actually going to play all the time. Yes. Being, you know, involved in every game. Uh, at least that's ideally what's going to happen. And then Denmark, I, I mean, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. I mean, I'm just sort of like flyer excited to see this guy. Dane Brugger loves this dude. Yeah. That yeah. was interesting to hear him talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's, well, it's the, the crazy athlete. Well, we, we've seen Ryan Pace swing on, on guys in the later rounds. Tayo Fabeluge stands out. Guys with certain measurables he mm-hmm. likes, certain guys who are projects. With DeAndre Hall, 
fit that bill. He's a fourth rounder, though. Yeah, he was a little bit higher, but he seemed to have some of those measurables too. Oh to yeah, he, yeah, long, long arms for a corner. I remember stories about him comparing him to to Charles Tillman, just in terms of his size. But I love the Andre Hall coming out. Still in the league. Still in the league. Seems like everybody is. I think fifteen of Ryan Pace's eighteen draft picks are still in the league. May not be all with the Bears, but they're still out there. All right, finally, did you see me tweet out this video of Cody Bednarski? No. Which one is it? I'm sorry, Casey Bednarski. Casey Bednarski? I got his last name right because he just sounds like a Bears player. Okay. Bednarski! I mean, I could just imagine our voicemail callers already. Why isn't Bednarski starting? Yeah, so he's a kicker. Oh, is this the guy with the long hair? Long hair, no shirt on, bombing a 70-yard field goal and doing a backflip. I mean, this guy's meant to be a Bear. (laughs) Yeah. I love this guy. Long-haired kickers. Come on. We need that. This is the solution. I, I already moved him ahead of Robbie Gold in my kicker depth chart for the Bears. Okay. All right. Benarski. This is my guy. Minnesota for State our, uh, reality show. Right? That would, would. I mean, he'd be the star of it. Yes. Yes. Without doubt. We're doing backflips. Come on. This guy is amazing. He, uh, and it's not just this is him kicking like. It's not in a game situation and bombing a 70 yard. He did get a 63 yarder in a game. He's got a big leg. Where's he from? Uh, Minnesota State Mankato. Okay. He transferred. Oh, D3. He transferred. D2. For, D3. Just D3. I'm not sure. No, it's Division I think it's D2. D2. It's D2. Yeah. So they signed one kicker, right? John Barron, the second. Yep. San Diego and, State. And, and they're going to have three or four. Four other tryout guys. Trial guys. And I think all three of the. Kickers they sign in the offseason are eligible to come. Yes, they to are. come yes, because they, are. they don't have no NFL experience. Correct. So there should be well, eight kickers well, this let's week. Let's kick off this kicking competition. And what is this? Their te- Dude, both Pace and Nagy have teased that we're going to be involved in something. Oh, boy. What is it going to be? Oh, boy. And is my knee going to be good enough to participate? Is it this weekend? I don't know. You'll probably do better than Pat Finley. Even yeah. Though, even though Nagy... Essentially extended an open invitation to Pat Finley. But his this. his invite was to actually kick. Yes. Yes, did I mean? Yes. Are we all going to kick? Or I thought we were going to be like rushing the passer or, something, or rushing the kicker, <laughs> trying to block it. <laughs> Get big AP Andy Seligman out there. Because I'm not going to lie, with my left I, knee right I, now, I, I need, cannot play. I need everybody, to, I need to give everybody individual. So the Associated Press writer <laughs> is Andy Seligman. He's been confused. This guy is so big, everybody. He's been confused for Mike Tice when he walks in the locker room. Can I uh, Can I give the, the best nickname? What's that? For him? Oh, yeah. Zach and a half? Yes, Zach Zayman. They both have red hair. Yes. Who? I still can't remember who came up with that. Someone asked me the other day. I think it was Olin Krutz. Okay, it is yes. a player. Yes. I thought it was a player. Yes. He called him Zach and a half. Zach and a half. That's amazing. You know, the Bears media has cornered the market on red-headed writers. Sure. Andy Seligman, Mark Potash, Kevin Fishbane, Rich Campbell, and you had Zach Zabin. That that's, it is an impressive amount of redheads covering one team. Some might say too many. Yeah. Yeah. I think South Park taught us they have no souls. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Oh. Anyway, where are you going with Andy? Just put him out there to block the kick? Yes, he's huge. You should put him like not he doesn't even need to be rushing. Just have him stand there. Like you have to kick it over him. <laughs> yes, and allow us all to tweet it or live stream it. Uh, see that, but then the video rules will come in, and that's fine. You don't. Know, you got to make special 
exceptions to figuring out your kicking situation. Fair game. Just get the helicopter in there. Yes. Yeah, get Sarah up there. I'll come in on the helicopter. That'd be awesome. All right. Uh, anything else? No. Let's go. I think we've got a lot in there. Good stuff. Good episode. Dane Brugler was great. Yes, thank you, Dane. You can read him at The Athletic. You can read John Z at The Athletic. You can read me at WGNRadio.com. Your 6,000 words. It's literally... And 10 Bears things. 6,113 words. My Lord. And now i got the podcast on. I'm going to go have a beer. It's not even 1 o'clock. Yeah. Also, i got a post-game show tonight. Uh, so probably not. Well... Is it supposed to like rain forever? Yep. It's supposed to rain for like five days straight. Cool. Cool. Cubs get all the good weather. BS. Please rate the podcast. Review it. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify. It's everywhere you need it to be. Appreciate you rating and reviewing the podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners. Please read our stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. At Adam Johns, at Joey Joro, which I forgot to play the Joey Joro thing today. Oh man, maybe we'll have to save it for the end. Talk to everybody next week. See ya. See, I got this friend named Joey Jojo <laughs> Junior Shabadoo. That's the worst name I ever heard. Oh, no. <laughs> Joey Jojo!